1: What's going on? Jermaine Johnson. Tune in to Turn On The Jets Podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets Podcast.
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn On The Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Wednesday episode edition. Obviously, make sure you guys check out the episode yesterday with my brother Charlie. Uh, you know, talking all things Jets offseason, owners meeting, joined by special guest. I want to say third or fourth time on the pod uh, pod now over the cap, Pro football focus. Um, I guess what does he do at this point? Brad Spielberger. Uh, Brad, how are we doing today, man?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I think it is fourth fourth time. Dude, uh, you know, it might honor, be a record to be a, a repeat guest.
2: Yeah, it might be a record. I think uh you know joe and connor bound a couple of times but i think you might be uh, might be pushing the record here you passed bryce huff so uh you should get a big <laughs> you should get an extension as well um look obviously there's so much going on there's a lot of different different things to tackle let's start with the elijah moore trade just because obviously it was the biggest news of last week he's one of the bigger names that honestly has probably been dealt this offseason via trade um, we've expected deandre hopkins people throughout mike evans elijah moore is one of the guys that has actually gotten moved what would you make of the trade in general? And I kind of want to have a conversation just a little bit about the big picture on why the trade does make sense. Although, in my opinion, the value wasn't particularly awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, look, when when you put in a trade request as a second year player, that
1: is going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Yes. We've seen guys like Debo going into a contract year, do that and still stay in San Fran. When you are early into your second season, it's not to say, it's a guarantee to get traded. Obviously, you know uh, what? uh, Denzel Mims has been trying to get moved for a very long time at this point, but if you do retain value and other teams may be interested. And the funny thing of course is now you bring in Aaron Rodgers, who probably wouldn't mind playing with Aaron Rodgers, but now you're getting shipped out. So, Look, I think he's a good player. I think you would agree. I think he showed a lot of flashes as a rookie. He can separate very well. You can play him outside. I think, you know, kind of gets made too much. He's just a slot. I don't think he's just a slot, but nevertheless, the thing with the trade is, look, getting a second round pick is awesome. I'm sure they were asking for probably a third by itself was the highest they realistically thought they could get um and so getting a second is great. Uh, I think the conversation some of the things that Jason and I talk about and this isn't even tied to Jason and I's draft pick chart. It's kind of ignoring that. I know I put put out like the difference between the two picks for us is very late. That's not even the point. And the bigger point is I think some smarter teams have realized like either I could give the Jets just a third by itself, maybe give them a third get back a fifth, whatever. Or I can actually offer them a higher pick but still get back a top 75 pick in return, and I think that you're kind of playing the law of averages and the probabilities there. Yes, you're more likely to find a dynamic, really good player at 43 or 42, whatever it is, than you are 74, um, but but I think that is kind of an angle. And the last thing I said was, look, if Joe Douglas, if you want to say he's good at one thing, it is pl- trading players – uh, so let's not, you know, knock him and say he's not good at that, but I, I just think it was a smart kind of maneuver from Cleveland. He fits perfectly in their offense, but look, the jets have, you know, Garrett Wilson, now Alan Lazard, you know, I think now Lazard is a hundred percent to be the, you know, the big slot and, and it makes sense for a lot of reasons.
2: Yeah. Look, there's, I said, it mentioned a couple of days ago and I kind of was talking about it on, on a different show last night that the issue for the jets is that Elijah Moore, yes, he is kind of primarily going to become a slot guy and, you know, he can play outside, but we saw last year when he played outside, he didn't get the ball quite as much. That caused, obviously, the problems. It, the Jets patched it up, but and apparently the Browns had called on Elijah um, after he made the trade request a year ago. To win up by 30 points on a three- or four-game win streak, and, you know, you request a trade. It, it just it comes off the wrong way. I think Connor Rodgers mentioned it. The Jets, based on the the history of um, Elijah Moore's agent, the Jets would have had to pay him after this year going to year four because he's a second-round pick. I don't know how that would have happened. There's all these different factors there. The Jets, the biggest picture is the Jets needed that second second round pick, knowing one of those is going to probably go for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Joe Douglas fleeces the Packers, and it's really not even a second round pick this year, which apparently the offer started at a four, which is objectively hilarious. Um, that said, the Jets need to fill holes at center. There's probably a hole at tackle. You can make the argument there's not, but they need to tackle long-term. Dwayne Brown is going to play at max a year. They have obviously a whole interior defensive line, which we'll get to, uh, and safety. Having two top forty-three picks and still getting Aaron Rodgers is the goal. And unfortunately for the Jets, you know all of the, all the young guys, he was the most expendable. He has more value than a Michael Carter or other guys that are kind of in that RB two wide receiver two range. And you know Corey Davis might have value. Maybe he goes to the Packers in this deal, but Corey Davis's value is not a second-round pick, so <clears throat> or a third. So. It's not ideal. Again, you took the guy thirty fourth overall, twenty four months ago. He's going to make a million bucks this year. He's twenty two years old. He's homegrown. Like you'd like to keep that guy. That said, if you're going to fit backfill him with an Odell Beckham, which we'll get to, or someone of the sort, it's probably a net even, and in terms of production, maybe Elijah's maybe a little better at this point. But you're getting Aaron Rodgers for basically Elijah more than third round pick, if you want to look at it that way, which is. Pretty good. Um, it's, it's more just funny to me that everyone just assumed Elijah would be in the Packers trade and, and he was traded within 35 minutes of signing McCall Hardman. Um, I want to kind of get your opinion on there's there's two other trades and signings they've made that it's kind of not the Lazard move as much. I think the Lazard move makes sense but it also has to do with Hackett Rogers. I think there's a little bit of a you know it's one or the other. McCall Hardman and Chuck Clark are two names that they're not going to get the buzz and they're not going to make the Jets, you know, go from seven wins to 12 wins, but they are guys that down make, you want to make a playoff run. You need guys that are durable or guys that are explosive. Did you like those two moves? Cause I feel like we're not, we're talking so much about Odell and Ben Jones. And it's like McCole Harmon's a second round pick three or four years ago. And he wasn't a bust. that just, he got hurt last year. And Chuck Clark plays every single snap and the Jets cannot say that the safety position.
1: I love the Clark move. I mean, trading basically nothing for a guy that look not only plays every snap. I mean, last year was basically supposed to get benched for Marcus Williams, and of course they draft Kyle Hamilton. Obviously, the Ravens use a lot of three safety looks and and and, and big nickel, big dime. Mean, they do a lot of stuff, obviously, with a bunch of DBs on the field. But yeah, a, a great move. A guy you can move all over. Look, like, I think Jordan Whitehead is a you know a flexible player, but to me, he is a guy you want in the box more often than not. Um, you know, his average depth of tackle is one of the lowest in the NFL among safeties. He's making plays near the line of scrimmage. Like that is, that is his skill set. Um, and, and so I think Clark is a bit more versatile. I love that move. Hardman to look, I mean, yeah, like you said, recent second round pick that has that speed. Uh, I mean, the jet sweep comment was hilarious. And he obviously responded to Schefter saying it's going to be more than jet sweeps. Obviously, Schefter was trying to make a dumb play on words uh, with the New York Jets, but like you know, look a, a one year flyer for him with a base value of about four million dollars, which is what it is. Yeah, all day long. I'm fine with that. There were rumblings he was going to get like a pretty good deal, and there was a lot like of eleven
2: thought, million dollars out there at one point. I was like, hmm, I don't think that'd be in that market. That.
1: Trust, yeah. people, people I respect and trust too, you know, we're saying that. Like, you, know, you do start to learn when my business with the free agency stuff. You start to learn who's blowing smoke and who actually is like kind of you know giving you stuff that they've heard. From credible, you know, team sources. So I heard that when people like that generally are are accurate, or you know, and again, they weren't telling me it's a definitive, but they were saying I've, you know, I've heard this from people I, I trust. So with that, you know, knowledge as well, waiting the market out, being patient, letting all these receivers not do very well, and then getting him on a one year flyer, he just adds a different element. You still have a guy to top off the defense. Um, you do right now if you if you also lose Corey Davis, you still have three three or three. three three receiver set um, of solid NFL players. So, yeah, I agree with you. Like, we, we shouldn't gloss over these two small moves. These are the moves, um, you know, that actually
2: kind of make an impact in free agency. It's not always about the, the Giants splashes. Yeah, it's the that middle of the rosters where the Jets have struggled. The Jets, for a long time, had only middle of the roster guys through a lot of the 2000s. Uh, they're, not the 2000s, sorry, the 2010s, which is why they struggled. You didn't have those elite playmakers. Now they have five or six, like, true blue chip pro bowl, all pro level guys that are all, like, 23, 24 years old. Um, obviously C.J. Mosley's the kind of outlier there, but now it's like the middle of the roster needs to be worked on. That's what happens when you you miss on some of these second, third, and fourth round picks. I kind of wanted to get to a couple of different names here. Obviously the Jets are kind of either involved in um, or not, but I want to just start with Quinton Williams quickly. Obviously we haven't – we probably were on the pod maybe, I don't know, before the combine and senior bowl and stuff, and we were talking about Quinton Williams' extension. I don't think anything's changed there. If anything, it's just like a foregone conclusion It's going to get done which is a little weird just because I don't think anyone's used to that. Like every other team, when this happens, it feels like – it just feels like Quinn's not going anywhere unless something crazy happens. But has your mind changed at all on what he might get or, or what we're looking at just with the Deron Payne move, um, him obviously getting extended first? I was hoping the Jets would – smart business would beat anyone else to the market, but I, I Quentin Williams is a better player than Deron Payne, so I don't think it's – it's more of beating Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence um, to the market. So how's that kind of – how do you think that works out? Because obviously Quincy got paid – they wouldn't have paid Quincy, I don't think, if Quinn's uh, not next. I agree.
1: I do think the Quincy was like a classic Marcus, Markeith Morris situation. If only Quincy would take a discount. But I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. But, um, yeah, it's funny because I probably came on this show, maybe even defended my position, where last year around this time, I projected a bunch of those guys' uh, extensions. And I had it at five years, $105 million, And a lot of Jets Twitter thought I was crazy. Uh, the Jets would sign a contract for five years, $105 million on Quinin yesterday if they could. I think it's going to be over $25 million a year. I really do. Uh, because you mentioned, look, the, the Durant Payne contract is a signal, four years, 90, 22 and a half. But then also, and these guys aren't like necessarily comps, but when you see Draymond Jones and Zach Allen and all these other guys even David Onyemata and, and Dalvin Tomlinson, like everyone in that position did so well. Um, it, it's because they know where the market is going because the guys you mentioned, Jeffrey Simmons, Quinn Williams, um, and, uh, and Dexter Lawrence. So yeah, uh, look, they, they're, I'm sure the Jets are being proactive, trying to get it done early. But again, the agent also knows like, I'm not going to get, you're not going to get a massive discount. You'll get a small discount um, by, you know, first to market. But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be four years, a hundred million in, in that range
2: yeah i think that it's also i'm curious your thoughts on this we were talking about this i started this with a couple people earlier the odell move ben jones potentially i thought Clayus campbell fit in this bucket obviously he ended up taking the falcons offer which makes no sense but whatever um and then obviously the rogers and the quinn williams extension it all kind of feels to me like once rogers gets announced we get like a flurry of like four jets Schefter Rappaport notifications in like a 30 minute window where Quinn's extension, how they fit, you know, what do they have to make his cap number this year versus how much do they backload it? What's Odell's number coming at? What's like, it feels like all these are just like a domino way in the fall. Is that a crazy thought that Quinn's extension could be kind of hinged upon what Roger's new number way look like?
1: Fair question. So the thing there is because you already have the fifth year option on the books at nine and a half million, like you probably could keep his cap number close to that. Even I know it sounds crazy to say four year 100 and keep his cap number at 10. But that's what we see maybe goes up a little bit. So from a cap standpoint, you're probably fine there. Um, And then I think you do, unfortunately, with not unfortunately, but you know, with all all the little one year deals, you're mentioning, gonna be full of void years right so you're giving I think Odell's gonna sign for like one year like six mil like I don't think he's gonna get the, the value he's looking for. Um and you realistically keep his cap hit in the first year at like a million and a half dollars and just push everything else down the line. Um same with the Ben Jones if he wants to keep playing football um you know give him a one year six or seven and maybe even less than that and just you know prorate it. So but I think it's a good point though I do think once that happens it's gonna be a catalyst for a bunch of things. Um and I saw this morning too I don't know if it's true yet but Corey Davis, if he's not part of the Packers trade, uh, I I don't know if he has a place on the roster at that point. If he if he's not, I mean, ten and a half million for him going the last year of his deal. You touched on it earlier. There's not a lot of trade value there. It's kind of like a fifth or sixth round pick, frankly, in my opinion. Um, unless the team gets an extension done as a part of the trade. Um, so yeah, that that him, Dwayne Brown, you mentioned, uh, you know, is kind of becomes an interesting one as well. Uh, and then Carl Lawson, of course, is is interesting. You know, with fifteen million potential clearing as well.
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think. I'd like to see what they do with Lawson in terms of, do they extend him and make it like two for 20 and adds, he's no guaranteed money left. So do they try to guarantee some money, some injury protections, uh things of that sort to lower his number? Cause I think he's a good player. The Jets love him, but at 15 million, I'm not sure seven sacks a year is going to get you 15 million. Maybe sure. Maybe on the open market, I'm sure he'd be a hotly contested name. I just think there is the injury history there and he, he wasn't, Amazing last year. It was good. Like he had some nice moments, but they played a lot of backup tackles on his side. And I felt like other guys ate a little bit more than he did. Um, the Corey Davis thing, yeah, they like could clear a ton of money. Or he's like, if he stays around, he's your wide receiver four or five, it seems like at this point. And he's, you're not paying Corey Davis 12, 13 million a year to be wide receiver four or five. uh So I think he's either in the Packers' trade or he's another classic. What they do with Crowder, you're like, take a pay cut yep. or, or we're going to cut you. um did they? They didn't extend the the Mosley contract's Weird. I know it's like the more you have to push it out, you're eventually gonna have to pay. Uh, his cap number is just gonna keep ballooning uh, more down the line. You think that they're just kind of waiting, uh, similar with him, uh, just like we really don't want to have to do this, but if we do, if we need to clear space, like that's what it feels like with uh, with CJ, where it's like great player, still really good, but the longer we have to pay him twenty eight million dollars a year, like the worse it's gonna get.
1: 100% and you saw some of the restructures they've already done and I think Jason Fitzgerald touched on this like they're not max restructures they're like smaller restructures to fit some moves and you're still kind of biding your time before Rodgers gets there and then maybe yeah like if you do I mean you can clear $12 million with, with a Mosley restructure but so let's say you clear half of that instead and just do enough to stay above water Um, yeah I think they are trying to keep those bigger ones for those older players um, don't do those as long as possible uh, and then if it gets there it gets there but I think a great point on the pay cut and Douglas has been great at this and, and Lawson's Perfect example. Say, look, I do think he would get attraction. I mean I'm a bear fan. I want him to be a Chicago bear if he's cut. But like if he they say, look, it's now April or May, whatever. We chop your 15 and a half, but we guarantee the entire seven and a half. We throw a bunch of incentives in there. We convert a bunch to a bonus and spread it over the capital. You know, like he'd probably go for that and say, all right, it's a one-year flyer and you hit the market again. You're not going to beat this number. Like that's that's smart business.
2: Yeah, it's it's just interesting to see how they're gonna manipulate things here. I guess the the last kind of question, you know, you mentioned Odell and, and things like that. The Rodgers thing is weird because again, I, we, we can walk through the contract on how it it's not sixty million on the cap. It's sixty million on the like what the Jets have to sign, basically a fifty nine million dollar check. I think his game salary is like one point one million, if I'm not mistaken, if traded. But it seems like his contract's going to get reworked. Whether he's he's not staying in Green Bay, but theoretically, if he did, or if he gets traded. Why would the? I guess it's a more of an overarching question. If his cap number is only going to be fifteen point four, whatever it is, why would they even rework the deal? Is it because it may try to get him guaranteed for a second year? Like, what's the incentive if you're trading for him and his cap number is so low for a quarterback? I don't. I guess that's where my confusion is. Why would you want to rework it, or does he want to rework the deal?
1: Yeah, I think honestly they might. It's more from a cash than like you're saying. Like, I, you know, obviously he's not going to take less cash, but. You could, in theory, do something like, hey, we saw this with uh, Jason Kelsey and and, uh, Bobby Wagner, for example. Hey, we'll give you a fully guaranteed roster bonus in 2024 that you're going to earn no matter what. But we'll just push that money into that amount. And then if you retire or whatever, we'll still, you know, we'll give it to you still. Technically, they could not, but they would obviously put in language like, even if you retire, you're still going to give this money. Or they would convert it back to a bonus before, he, you know, all sorts of things. But essentially, I think it's more just... Giving you 60 million dollars in cash, you know, like you said, 58.3 of that is an option bonus. That I'm sure there's two pay dates it's split out over, but like you're paying that money before the first week even hits. Um, so yeah, it's more just like how you pay the cash out, stuff like that. Like you're saying, that the cap was set up perfectly. It'd be about 15.8 million dollars, I think it is. Um, you know, but also say this too: maybe you want to prorate less, right? Because also maybe you're saying, okay, this is gonna be a one-year thing. Sure, we're still gonna prorate a lot of it, but how about we make his 2023 cap hit like 10 million instead of, you know, or like 10, 10 million salary, excuse me, on top of, you know, the, the, the option bonus. Um, so that way we're not sitting with a $45 million dead cap hit in 2024 when he
2: retires. So there's a whole different things there. But, yeah, more, more cash than anything. You think he only plays one year? I feel like he's it's going to be a two-year thing. It just – I don't know. Rogers just like the – I don't believe for a second – 90% retired. I think it was total bullshit. I think it was literally clearly leveraged from him. And it worked. Apparently, it literally worked. If you believe the Charles um, Robinson article. Apparently, the Packers, like, panicked after that. And the, the price went down. Good on Rogers. I feel like there's no way him and Douglas are not talking of, like, you know, obviously, through other channels of, like, Learn more at Marines.com. Dude, I'm going to literally just hammer the Packers here. Like, hold your ground. Do not give up more. Like, that's what it feels like. I think at first everyone's like, oh, shit, we're getting a guy who doesn't really love football anymore. Dude, two weeks before that, uh, that came out, before we went into the darkness, he was on McAfee and was like, my competitive drive has never been stronger. I feel amazing. And then all of a sudden it was like, mm, maybe I might retire, which to me signals I want to make sure I get it my way, and the jets don't get screwed here trading for me.
1: I agree with you one hundred and ten percent. First, I mean, I think Charles is someone who puts out consistently good information, and doesn't really get lost in the in the the the, the silly business. Um but also, yeah, like, and I said this people kind of jumped out of my throat like the Jets I get why they're not saying anything if I was the Jets I, I respect Joe Douglas and clearly it's 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 good business but like I would be like yeah look Lamar's a good player we'll look into it like I would do I would be using every you know avenue at my disposal but maybe that's maybe that's why he's not doing it because he's saying I already have them you know bent over a barrel because you have Rogers saying these things and I, you know and we know they want to move on and yada 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 Um, yeah I I, I don't buy it either the 90% thing I think is bogus I'm um, look I'm sure I'm sure you considered it I, I was told by someone I trust you know again no one's. Close to rogers but like, hey, like someone said to me a, while, a couple months ago, like, it's more possible than I think people are making it out to be, but that is a lot less strong than 90% <laughs> for sure.
2: Yeah, no, he said, um, I he said earlier in training camp this year he planned on playing three or four more years. So, and like, I just a lot of this to me screams like he's very, very spiteful, and I think the Jets are yes. also conscious of that, of like. We don't te- – he said yes, but, like, we don't technically have this guy. We have to, like, be very careful of not getting involved in the insider realm, leaking information. I think that's yep, why it's been yep. – everyone hates when I say this. Like, the Jets are buttoned up, but they were not that buttoned up the last couple of years. They are very buttoned up this offseason, and I think it's very much to do with Aaron Rodgers. Um, and just – we got to make sure we get this guy and, and make sure this gets, you know, over the deadline. When do you think this gets done? Because I know – Obviously, we're all kind of guessing at this point, right? I think the draft is is a pretty clear deadline, but I know it's the most beneficial for the Packers money-wise is post-June 1 based on dead cap, if I'm not mistaken. But then they would lose that 2023 asset, and that just there's no way that's happening. So it has to get done the next month, but at some point it's like, what are we doing here? Just get this done, because the Packers can't do anything either free agency-wise, and the Jets are just kind of in a holding pattern with like seven different guys.
1: Well, I do think the, the final piece of the Robinson article I think is spot on to where the Jets want downside protection. Look, the, the Packers want upside protection of the 2024 conditions, and the Jets think it's fair to say, okay, well, if he doesn't play in 2024, then we want some protections in 2025 um, of just making it almost like to cancel out. All right, we'll give you a second next year, and then you owe us a third in 2025 if he retires after one season. I think that is the holdup, but I do agree. I think it has to come before the draft. The, the Packers, I think, want – it's going to be pick 42, the pick they just got <laughs> from the Cleveland Browns. Um, and I don't think they want to go in not having that. And I get the cap thing, but I think you're seeing from a lot of these teams that are moving on from the vets and kind of realizing they're dead. The Buccaneers did not post June 1 a bunch of guys. They just took all the hits this year. The Rams didn't post June 1. They just took the hits this year. The Vikings, yada, yada, yada. So I think the Packers actually would rather take the big brunt of it now, use that as an excuse. Oh, yeah, we couldn't surround Love with a ton of talent because we could you know, And then – 2024 comes
2: around and you can say okay now we can spend and add and yada 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 yeah they're notorious big spenders in uh in free agency yeah yeah (laughs) it is it is very clear not to take a shot at packers fans but uh you guys have clearly not experienced any hard times in the last 30 years because (laughs) it. some of the commentary on jordan love and uh let's let him play a couple games first before we start anointing him better than 2022 aaron Rodgers. like i don't know man uh i've seen some really bad quarterback play i don't don't get too far ahead of your skis here.
1: Let's just let a Jets and Bears gripe real quick. Like, I don't think they even realize, because trust me, I, I now cover all the teams. I go on radio and talk to people all over the place. And to me, it's Pittsburgh and, and Green Bay that just don't get it. It's like, I don't even think Green Bay fans realize like what a good quarterback is. They haven't even had a good quarterback. They've had an elite, incredible quarterback my entire lifetime. Like Jordan Love could be good, quote unquote good. And that is a massive step backwards from what they just had. And I've never even seen a good quarterback play in my city in my entire lifetime. Like it's, they don't, they don't, they, but I, I get why they don't get it. Cause they haven't seen it, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully they, they experience that soon.
2: Dude, I, we Jets fans are idolizing Mark Sanchez here in a season where he <laughs> threw like 300 interceptions, but they went to the AFC title game. So we're like, dude, Sanchez is awesome. Meanwhile, we're like, Aaron Rodgers sucked last year. He had 26 touchdowns and 3,500 yards, 70 percent completion. Like, relax, okay? It, yep. It'll be okay. He won. He's won two last three MVPs. I don't think he's that bad. Um, even if you don't <laughs> like, even if you don't like the way he he speaks and other things, um, a couple sure. other topics here. One. What's like the ceiling? I know it's hard. It's not a finished product. And, you know, you're watching some of the tackles. Now we can talk about them. The Jets are still likely going to have two uh, top 43 picks. They still have probably three or four free agency moves. We mentioned Odell, Ben Jones, uh, you know, likely is going to have to add defensive tackle and then obviously Rogers coming in. What's, what's the ceiling for this team? Like, is it that unrealistic for me to think if they nail at least one, if not both of 13 and 43 or 42, whatever, This is a team that can compete for a Super Bowl. Like, I don't I just don't see why that's not possible. I I think it is. I mean, again, we're talking about like if you get Aaron
1: Rodgers, even if you get close to 2020 and 2021, so not MVP level, but not last year, like uh, again, like I think they had below replacement level play at quarterback last year in New York. And I, and I like Mike white. He's a fine backup quarterback. And, and speaking of fans settling for little, I went to the bears jets game and there was Mike white chance the entire time. That's how, that's how, you know, down bad we are as fans. But um, yeah, no, I, I do. I think they are. Look, the division is good. The AFC is obviously a frigging juggernaut at this point, but I, I think it's not, you know, if you think you're being biased, no, like this, this is a 12, 13 win team.
2: If Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rogers. Yeah. When I post this clip and, in thirty minutes, I'm sure this whole Jets Twitter will love that one. Um, you know, like I, I just think they beat, you know, they got to beat New England. Like that's obviously a guarantee, like a, a no nonsense that has to happen. You've got you know bugaboos like Philly and the Giants and things like that of rivalries or teams you've never really beaten before, Um and the Eagles. But the Patriots do not look great. I think Miami is. Miami's two biggest concerns are the two guys that get hurt more than like anybody in the league and Teron Armstead and Tua. And when they don't play, they're not good. And when they do play, they're a pretty damn good football team. The jets beat them by 30 points last year when those guys didn't play. And then with Joe Flacco and half their team missing and the dolphins playing for a playoff spot, they still almost beat them. So it's not as if that matchup is scaring anyone on either side and the Buffalo thing, they beat Buffalo and should have beaten them twice last year with Mike White and Zach Wilson. So like you, this team is significantly better, uh, you know, and offensively they're significantly better just by, by default. Um, but if you get real Aaron Rodgers and like, you know, you get anything close to 2020, 2021 Aaron Rodgers, like, yeah, 12, 13 wins is not that crazy. And, you know, I saw some reports, Gabe Davis is still viewed as a fringe one in Buffalo, which um good luck with that. Uh, but whatever. I want to kind of ask you about some of the tackles here. I know you've gotten into watching a couple of the, the first round tackles, the Jets have a couple places they could go. I put out the the question earlier, and it seems like people all disagree, which I'm actually surprised about. Obviously, if a Jalen Carter gets to 13, that's a whole different conversation. I don't think that happens. I'm just saying they do have a huge hole there, and Quinton Williams and Jalen Carter would be disgusting. Obviously, um, there's the Jackson Smith and Jigmas situation where the Jets have a hole at receiver. They don't get an Odell Beckham. Does that intrigue you to reunite those two guys, give Rogers weapons? And the real big one is like you got to protect Rogers. There's three, you know, blue chip tackle prospects Skronsky Johnson and Jones do you like one better than the other three that you've seen so far or who do you think maybe potentially fits any mock Jones to uh to the Jets in your latest mock draft
1: I think honestly they all have positives and drawbacks and that's not you know that's, that's draft analysis but like both Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson to me I think are the best tackle prospects in this class I think they can get beat by bull rushes pretty, pretty easily. Both of those guys, they got to get a little bit stronger in their anchor, but both of them in space as run blockers are really, really, really good players. And obviously I think that would be attractive to Nathaniel Hackett in this offense. So I think either one honestly makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. I just think it does make a ton of sense. Like you said, I mean, Dwayne Brown's going to be 37 years old next year. I know Makai Beckton's posting thirst traps from the gym, but you know, who knows (laughs) Who knows if he's going to be around? It's it's the it's the fifth year option decision this off season. So if they decline, that's due May first. So right after the draft, so we we might have an indication right away. Um, yeah, I guess look, I guess I'll like say Broderick Jones. Um, because I just think like I like Paris Johnson. I I think he's still unrefined. Obviously played right guard. I think you can see that in his tape a little bit. Um, but I, both would be great. I just I will say like. You know it's not a guy that's going to come in and be an awesome tackle in their rookie year in my opinion uh, like I don't think you're gonna get that but but I
2: think both could become very good players yeah look the McCka bat thing is funny I'm I'm so happy for him because I think just in general for his own well-being like being in really good shape is really good for you um he does have he's giving off the New York Sports Club first joint gym membership of a ninth grade freshman girl in high school posting every single time they go um but uh, that's not my joke I'll give the credit to my brothers on that one but um yeah it's Look, it's great to see. I think in an ideal world, Mekhi Becton's a day-one starter for the Jets and healthy and looks like 29th, 2020 Mekhi Becton. And now all of a sudden, like Max Mitchell's your swing tackle, you feel much better about it where he is. AVT can slot in at guard. You really only have one you know, one hole at center there. That's in a much better situation. It's just – it's really hard to count on that. So the Jets – although I thought they were going to take a tackle last year. I was pretty steadfast that I – you know, the Jets were going to go tackle at four they didn't. So, um, you know, maybe they they feel again, we can kind of patchwork this with other different names. I want to ask you about the Bears quickly, just in terms of their draft stuff, because it does affect very much hand in hand with the Jets. I mentioned, you know, we mentioned the three tackles, we mentioned Jalen Carter. I feel like those are the four names most actively linked to the Bears at nine. Do you think they go tackle or defensive tackle? Just because what they do at, at nine is going to directly impact the Jets. There's only three picks between them, obviously, um, and, and I don't think Houston's going to tackle, so.
1: Yeah, I think the good news for you might be that I, I think Edge could also factor in. Um, I don't know if they're gonna be in the Jalen Carter conversation. They obviously they, they have brought him in. He is literally the the thing they need more than anything else in their entire roster. I think he's probably the best prospect in the class. If I had to pick one, I like Will Anderson, but I I think Carter's frankly better. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's gonna be a trench player, but I guess for you, like, hope it's Lucas Van Ness or something that you know a guy the Jets do not need. Um, who, yeah, I also I need I need to watch. I don't have a strong opinion, but people I trust are not as high as, as some of the stuff I've seen out there. Um, but yeah, so it'll it'll be it'll be a, it'll be a trench player, no question about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, if you like bull rush, you sure, but um, unfortunately, you have to be able to do more than one thing in the NFL. Although I guess you can ask Bryce off because Bryce off has one thing better than anybody else in the NFL, and he's going to get paid for it. He's that's one other guy I wanted to ask you about. I know, you know, per sources, um, you know, an extension is being talked about with him. Uh, what does that kind of look like? Because I know we've seen other guys. This is like a new niche kind of model we see in the NBA with the, like the three and D guys. It started to become a thing where these guys started to get paid and get paid pretty handsomely. Um, I'm a Nets fan, so the Nets have every single three and D guy in the entire NBA and nothing else. But that said, Bryce Hoff and Josh Uche and these guys that are like, they're really one and a half down players. They can play against their own, but not, you know, probably not over 17 games, but they are literally the elite of the elite of the elite in pass rush situations where everyone knows it's coming too. It's not like they don't get the benefit of a Nick Bosa miles Garrett on first down. You need to pin your ears back. What does an extension look like for him? Because I know the second round tender, I think it's about 4 million or so. I assume he could play on that this year. And it's obviously a big upgrade from a guy who's an 850 K a year, you know, a UDFA that said, I I'm sure he's looking for more than and 4 million bucks on a 1 year deal and if he, the Jets don't give it to him somebody else is going to Interesting. There have not been a lot of recent early
1: extensions. So it's 4.3 um, on, on the restricted free agent tender. Like I thought it would have made sense for Jacoby Myers going into his tender to, to do it. Uh, Darius Williams in LA, they probably just had to spend money elsewhere, but like we have not seen a lot of those, those. And, and back, you know, a couple of years ago, we saw a lot of guys get extended in that position. Um, they are specialists though. I mean, am glad you mentioned Uche. I was going to mention Uche. Obviously he's like a third round pick or whatever it was, but um, yeah, you know, <laughs> Because it is so specialized, it's going to be interesting. It's almost like you said; it's kind of a newish thing. Of course, we've had like platoon defensive lines, we've had you know pass rush specialists, but like I, I imagine it would still be, let's say, double that number. Like you're not—I don't think you're hitting ten million unless you're either like giving up four years. And at that point, it's like you probably shouldn't do that. Just take like two years, fifteen, and then try to like expand your game, get better, and then really cash in. So yeah, like something like that. Like I would sign him for you know, uh, Agbo Akeranko got three years, twenty or in that range, like right around there, um, or more I would consider, but yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he, you know, our numbers think Huff is like the best person at player of all time. So I, I would, you know, like I would, uh, I would, you know, continue to do that and be a terror and, and see what you can do with that.
2: Yeah. Look, I, uh, I, I will biasly say that I take full responsibility for Bryce Huff breaking out, uh, breaking out this year. There's what, there's two other things, quick guys I wanted to, I want to hit on one. This is a totally new This is a biased TOJ, uh, TOJ pod name but a guy like Justin Hardy I know this is he's a special teams guy and it's very interesting how this market develops it's another niche market it's a specialist but he's an all pro and he's coming into a contract year like what is what do extensions look like for these guys because again they play 20 snaps a game max and it's on special teams but like the four or five best special teams guys in the country all have I mean best in the league those teams have those one of those four or five guys who looked at Slater and these other guys and um, the guy from new Orleans who I can't think of off the top of my head. What does something look like, uh, you know, with that? They've done pretty well. So there's been a bunch recently. Um, I want to say like
1: Frankie Lubu is now a full-time player, but he hadn't got extended as a, as a special legend. teamer. Yeah. Dude, oh, okay. There you go. Um. Yeah, he was he was awesome last year. But like, there have been a bunch of dudes that have done really well in that market. Um, Jalen Rose Mabin has done pretty well last year. Um, safety's been am blanking on who they are. Like, he could get like three, four, four and a half million dollars a year. Like, the teams are now paying more for that if you are one of those premier, premier special teams
2: players. Um, and I do think he definitely falls in that category. And then last one I wanted to hit on. This is something that I was probably the biggest concern of. Although, if you objectively look at it, it's kind of funny. Zach Wilson being the Jets' backup quarterback to me doesn't feel feasible, especially just being the lock as the backup quarterback. Maybe he wins the job, which would be great. Um, I think he's going to play a gazillion snaps in the Hall of Fame game. I think he's going to play every snap of preseason game one and two. I think the Jets, in my opinion, are probably going to try to move him mid-preseason when that cap hit is not quite as bad, the dead cap money and all this different stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Like, He's another guy where there's a lot of guaranteed money left and you kind of have to be really dicey with that. Maybe he gets a little value back. Maybe he goes for uh, a you know, high th- conditional three because someone gets hurt and these other things happen. What did the Jets do with backup quarterback? Because they said he's the number two quarterback in the roster right now. Technically, there's only two quarterbacks, which is funny if you actually hear the whole clip. Uh, Chris Shelver, I guess, QB1. But they <laughs> can't possibly have... I just don't see a world in which Zach is just the guaranteed guy and there's nobody else they add to the roster. Like, they either have to draft somebody or sign somebody at this point, I I would assume.
1: I think it's borderline irresponsible. If you're going to make a push, especially if it's going to be a one-year push, you have to have a good backup quarterback. I think teams across the league are understanding that more. But, like, for me, it's something that like honestly drives me insane. Like, if you're going to – be one of those go all in type teams and you're not going to address a guy that could start four games for you, you know, and, and Rogers is incredible of a playing through injuries, but was injured last year and probably could have used, you know, more time off. um I think he does stay. Cause I I'm buying that. They really want him to like be Rogers mentee and like, hopefully still get back on track. Maybe I'm just, you know, buying up a bunch of fake narratives, but Yeah. The issue is like the sell is selling as low as humanly possible. Like it's literally like the value could not be lower. Um, I agree. It probably would be conditional, but the conditions would be like, he's got to play a bunch. And so realistically it probably turns like a four or a five. And at that point you're, you know, two years of a, of a top two overall pick you're selling for a day three throwaway. Um, I hear you. He should not be locked in as number two. It's a heck of a lot of money for a QB3. Um, you know, Straveller is not a terrible backup, I guess, but no, I think they need to look into like the just a name. But like, you know, we saw Nick Mullins get traded last year. Like, we saw some guys with connections to his staff, like that, are that, that, like carried some value because teams know they can, in a pinch, go two and one over a three game stretch. Like, you need one of those guys, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Not, not Flacco or Mike Wade. Oh, guys who won games for the jets last year um you know, obviously there's a lot to there's a lot to kind of unpack here and um you know a lot of a lot will change in the next month with the jets right now it's just a lot of pretty good hunch that this is going to happen hypotheticals unfortunately until these guys are locked in obviously knowing being a jets fan i'm sure as a bears fan you know you gotta take everything with a grain of salt um although i will say the confidence with which joe douglas the smile on joe douglas's face speaking with janae coakley on uh on SNY the other night, seemed like a guy who knows this deal is very much about to be done. Um, again, did like your idea of 2024 maybe being the sliding scale pick. Hey, if he doesn't retire by April 28th next year, it's a it's a one. If he if he does retire, we get back. It's really only a four or five going to you guys and and stuff like that. I do you think that makes a little more sense to the 2025 stuff just because? You know if you're the Jets and you want this to be a two-year window, you'd you'd ideally like that to not uh not have to basically not get a pick and return. So um make sure you you know catching you know Brad's stuff obviously PFF, over the cap. Um I'm sure there's a million other places you're doing stuff these days. We did do did do a hit on the the Jets team site. So if you didn't check that out make sure you do. Um yeah. and obviously appreciate you you know hopping on taking some time.
1: I'm still loyal to the TOJ pod, like you. Uh, let me know that day. Yeah, thanks to Jets for having me, but I was just a tune-up for the TOJ pod. Yeah, dude, we got. <laughs> they,
2: they, they know. They know the deal. You know, they got. know. They know. It's a, it's just, it was a. There was an opening act for. Uh, for the main <laughs> for the main performance, but I uh, appreciate you hopping on, guys. We'll be back later this week uh, with another episode, and then obviously, if anything breaks with Rogers, uh, you know, hop on here and uh, and talk some ball.
0: Ah, mm, The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on.